The reading is from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to ask and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. But this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man, since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. 
For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the, the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met, to, met together with the Gentiles and the other people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now the Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs that signs and wonder through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of the of God boldly. Thanks very much, Mark, for reading that for us. Uh, well done. That's really helpful. Thank you so much. Well, let me pray. Uh, we're going to look at that Bible reading, page 1095, goes over to 96. It's going to be rustling a page or two in the, in the sermon, but let's, uh, let's pray for God's help. So as we gather today, Lord God, please would you be with us, please would you speak to us, please would you inspire us and help us. All these things we pray that you would do by the Holy Spirit and for the glory and the honour of the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Picture this conversation I could have tomorrow morning, tomorrow, perhaps with somebody, Monday. They'll say, how was your weekend? I'll say, it was great, thanks. I mean, coronavirus is big and looming, but what did we do? Well, we had some friends over for breakfast on Saturday morning, and uh, that was fine. We all washed our hands. We had porridge and croissants and all kinds of things. It was great, really. We had some good conversation. We were going to get the older two boys ready to go play football, but they cancelled that. But we had the, uh, my parents, my, uh, the grandparents, they were up and they were looking after them. We decided to spend the day with friends. So we did that. We went and spent the day with friends, talking about all kinds of exciting things. We had a great lunch with soup, rolls, scones. There were some bis good biscuits that had been made for us as well. And it was a fantastic day. And then we, we spent the, uh, the evening with my parents, who'd looked after the boys. They were very tired. We went to bed early. And on Sunday, we spent some more time with some friends. We actually went out for a meal for lunch. And uh, they showed us some photos of their holiday in Egypt. No one's going to Egypt for ages now, it would seem. And uh, we eventually did the homework, because grandparents, we don't blame them for not getting the homework done on a Saturday morning. That's our job. So we did the homework last thing on a Saturday afternoon, and, uh, and that was it. It was quite a good afternoon, quite a good weekend, really. How was yours? Now, uh, listening to my answer that I might say there tomorrow morning, what have I missed out? What have I not mentioned? I've not mentioned church. I've not mentioned Jesus. Yesterday... I spent that breakfast with other people from this church, and we were praying. It was a prayer walk. We had breakfast. And then yesterday, I was in here with quite a few of you. We were discussing this vision day, the, all the things about church. Very interesting, very thought-provoking, inspiring day, as I said. And uh, today, as well, in church, and all the rest of it. That is what was missing 
through my answer. What are you going to do uh, when, we, when we have that conversation tomorrow? What did you do at the weekend? That was what was missing. Now, the Christian faith is good news. Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says, the beginning of the good news, the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Christianity is good news. What Jesus has done for us and who he is, and also what he continues to do, it is good news. And also what he will one day do, he will return and there will be a new creation where there will be no disease or death. It is good news, is the Christian faith. And because it is good news, it is a message. There's lots of bad news, worrying news, but Christianity is good news. And just as that news is proclaimed through the airwaves and to each other, the Christian message is good news and it needs to be proclaimed as well. But here's the thing, speaking that good news, speaking about Jesus, that is hard, is it not? I think, I think it is, don't you? Living for Jesus isn't easy as it is, but speaking is even harder. It is getting harder. It is not fashionable. It is not likely to make you popular. Whether you speak in conversation or whether you put things online, it is likely to get a reaction that is not a positive one. We are likely to suffer in some way. And who wants to suffer? I don't. And so, of course, it is easiest to not speak. It is easier to keep quiet. The mantra is, you can believe that, but don't talk about it. And that is what the culture says, keep your faith private. And we, as Christians, we can buy into that, and so we keep quiet. And this isn't a new thing. We might think it's a new, oh, it was easier back then in the olden days. No, it is not a new thing. It has always been this way. As we look at Acts 4, if you've got a, the, the Bible, we'll put some words on the screen, I trust, as we go. We see the Christian church was encouraged to keep quiet. Don't say anything. Don't mention Jesus. Keep stum. Let us look at Acts 4. Let us see what they did then. So we know what we should do now. And more importantly, why we should do it. Why we should do it. First, we need to get something really clear in our minds and beyond our minds, really in our hearts. How we feel things. And it is this truth that is there in the passage. It is that everyone needs saving by Jesus. Everyone needs saving by Jesus. If you were here last week in Acts chapter 3, do you remember Peter and John, two of Jesus' spokespeople? They meet a lame man. Lame from birth. We find out in this reading he's 40 years old. 40 years he's not been able to walk and suddenly he's undeniably healed. He's walking and leaping and praising God. It takes months for children to learn how to walk. He did it instantly and he'd never walked before in 40 years. And Peter and John, they say that it was Jesus who healed this man. It, it proves that the crucified Christ, he is alive. Because dead people can do nothing. This week I did two funerals. They did nothing. The dead people. But Jesus is alive. He is not like people who die and stay dead. He is alive and it is he who healed this man. So you can understand why everyone would be talking about this. Imagine this, the hospitals around here, which we've got to pray for those hospitals because they will be flooded, won't they, if things go the way they expected to go. But imagine those hospitals, suddenly they empty and everyone's going home. Everyone is healed. Everyone is cured. It's not just coronavirus patients. It's everyone is sorted out. We would know about it, would we not? It would be headline news. And that is what is happening here. Everyone is hearing about this miraculous healing. And the religious leaders of the time, they don't like it. 
They rock up in verse 1. Let's pick it up in verse 2. If you've got your Bible, verse 2, this is what they were like, these religious leaders. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, it's getting late in the day, they put them in jail for the next day. Verse 4, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men, there would have been women and children on top of this, the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So this new Jesus movement, we call it church today, it is growing fast, it is spreading. The virus is spreading. This is good news, it is spreading. And now these religious leaders, they have a committee meeting in verses 5 and 6. They get together, they're named all these people, they're the big wigs of the time. And what do they do in verse 7? They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? How did you do this? And Peter does what anyone in the book of Acts and today who is filled with the Holy Spirit does. What does he do? He talks about Jesus. Do you see it? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with the Spirit. What does he do? He says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are now being asked how he was healed, then, verse 10, know this. Know this. This is the headline. You and all the people of Israel, you and everyone, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, that this man stands before you healed. It is Jesus who did this. You crucified him, you killed him, but God has raised him and he did this. Verse 11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see what Peter is saying there? Everyone needs Jesus for salvation. There is no other name to be saved. We sometimes sing the song, there is no other name under heaven or under the earth. No one else by whom we may redeem. Under heaven can be found other than Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is found under no one else we must be saved and this saving from something which means we all need Jesus what do we need saving from Peter says verse 10 it is Jesus Christ whom you crucified you killed Jesus now these people they weren't the people who actually did the act of crucifixion they didn't nail the nails through Jesus' hands and feet they may have given the order but they didn't literally crucify him but they are responsible they are responsible, and the Bible goes on. We are all responsible. Do you remember the other song? It was my sin that held him there. I hear my voice call out among the mocking crowds. Jesus died for my sin and your sin, all of our sin against God, pushing God out of the way. That is why Jesus died. We've all done that. We do that today, isn't it? We, we think human beings, we're good, but look at the panic buying. We're all intrinsically turned in on ourselves. And we're all like that. And we all wish the one who gives us life, Jesus, is not in the picture. We all do that. And yet God, in his love for us, died for us in Jesus. And he rose from death to show he is the Savior, to show that sin has been taken, to show that it is forgiven at the cross. And he is the only one who can do that for us. No one else can do that for me or for any of us. Jesus says himself, John 14, no one comes to God the Father. No one has eternal life except through me, says Jesus. When you need help, 
You need to call on the right person, don't you? You have a terrible toothache. You need the dentist. You're stuck up a mountain. You call Mountain Rescue. When you're uh, drifting out to sea, you hope someone calls the Coast Guard. That You need saving, don't you? You need the lifeboats. You need a puppet show, you ask Gavin. You need the right person for the right thing. Mountain Rescue are no use when you're in the sea. And uh, when you've got a toothache, you, you can ask Gavin, but he might be of little use. We need saving from something far deeper, all of us, from sin against our maker. And only Jesus can do that for us. Only Jesus can save us from sin and death. If there was another way to save us, Jesus would not have died, would he not? If there was another way. The wisest man who ever lived would not have done the most foolish thing that people back then would have seen. Dying on a cross? Only murderers and rapists and terrorists dying on a cross. Why would he choose to do that? He had to do that. There was no other way to do it. He chose to do that because he loves each and every one of us. So first question for us all, do you have this salvation? Not do you think you have it, do you know you have it? Have you actually received it? Have you asked for it? Ask Jesus to save you. Or do you just presume that you are saved without having done any of those things? Have you prayed to him in your heart, as I trust we all would want to do, to thank him and say, thank you, Jesus. I love you for you. That, that is going to change the way I live. I'm not going to live the way I think I know. So I'm going to live your way. We need to be saved. And the first question is, are we? I trust many of us are, but maybe we need to ask that question again. Are we? Second question, have we forgotten that this is what the world needs, most of all? Does everyone need Jesus? Is that what we really believe? Salvation, it says here, says Peter, who knew Jesus better than you or I, says salvation is under no one else. You cannot be saved. You cannot have eternal life without Jesus Christ in your life. And that raises a big question because we're all thinking, what about those who don't know? What about those who've never heard? And there's a few things to say on that issue. In Acts 4, we see, before we get to that issue, that actually, far from people queuing up to find out about Jesus, actually, human nature says, actually, let's not talk about him. Human nature says that. Let's see that as we uh, look at the next thing. So we all need to be saved by Jesus. Everyone needs saving by Jesus. But the world wants Jesus to be kept quiet. And we've got to speak up. Let's pick it up over the page. Verse 13. Because the religious leaders, they hear this, what Peter is saying. There's no other means to salvation. This is what they do. Verse 13. When they see the courage of Peter and John and realize that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, they've got no training. They've not been to theological college. They've not done all the courses. But do you know what they have done? They have spent time listening to Jesus. They knew Jesus. They, they knew what he was like. They knew what he said. They knew what he was about. In other words, they know what we know if we read our Bibles. And in verse 14, the leaders can't deny the lame man is healed. So in verse 16, they say, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. So what do they do, verse 17? To stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So verse 18, they call them in again. They command them not to speak 
or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You see, the world's the same, is it not? Don't talk about Jesus. It might be a code of practice in the workplace or a law. Some countries have that law. Can't talk about Jesus. Or just the understanding of the culture at large that says, actually, that is a taboo subject. We don't talk about that. You can't do that. Don't talk about that with me, please. Don't speak of him. Well, how does Peter respond to that kind of pressure? What's he going to do? Verse 19. Let's look at it. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to to him, to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And that is the question for all of us, isn't it? Who do we obey? Do we obey people or God? Who are we seeking to please? Because people are easy to please in some ways, aren't they? They're there. You get, you get the response straight away. Yes, you get the thumbs up. You get the pat on the back. Yeah, I agree with you. And God, well, God's not really in our mindset most of the time when we're speaking and talking sometimes. He should be. Who are we going to obey, though? People who are created like you or me, or the creator who knows everything inside and out, and his opinion, after all, doesn't it not count the most? What does God want? God wants his self-giving love for people to be known. He wants people to know that his precious eternal son, Jesus, died and was raised for our sin. He wants the world to have hope in the face of illness and death and forgiveness to eternal life. That is what God wants for the world, doesn't he? He wants the world to have hope, not fear, not panic, but joy and peace. And he wants his people to share that brilliant, good gospel news. There's no better plan, is there not, for the world than that? Isn't that what the world needs? Who are we going to obey, people or gods? And the reason people don't want Jesus spoken of is because Jesus says he is God of our lives, and that is a threat, isn't it? That is a threat. Because we want to live our life our way. We want to talk about what we want to talk about, not what God wants to talk about often. Let's be honest. That's true for me. It's true for any of us. But look at what God would do for us. Well, first look at what we do for ourselves if we do our things our own way we end up isolated and lonely or we become dissatisfied we wonder why there's no lasting pleasure and there's frustration in life even anger in life rather than peace and joy and contentment that lasts jesus says let me lead you let me be your king i love you i'll save you i will always give you my approval you don't have to please other people you've always got my approval and my approval will last forever And I'll give you real life that is full and eternal and better than you can imagine. Trust me with that. And so isn't it sad that as human nature in all of us works to gag this good news of Jesus? And we all need it. Well, this is no surprise to God. Peter and John, they would get released. Under threats, they're told, don't talk about Jesus anymore, even though they say they're not going to do that. They go back to the other believers and they reflect on Psalm 2. It's quoted there. In verses 25, 26, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They reflect on how Herod, Pilate, all people rebel against Jesus. They want that news quiet. And then verse 28, they say, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So are we going to keep quiet, says the first Christians? Well, look at verse 29, 30 and 31. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You see what the Holy Spirit does in this passage? Does it twice? He fills Peter, fills these believers, all the believers. And what do they all do? They all speak about Jesus boldly. How do you know the Holy Spirit's at work in you? Really? The Holy Spirit makes us speak the word of God boldly. That doesn't mean brashly. It doesn't mean aggressively. But it does mean with some kind confidence, doesn't it? Boldly. Think about Peter, remember? He denied Jesus Christ not many days ago here. And he goes from coward to bold, kind, clear communication about Jesus. Why? The Holy Spirit. And that's what we need, isn't it? We need to be filled with the Spirit and we will speak up. We can't help but speak up because it's good news, isn't it? An engagement. Good news, tell people. Or a new child in the family. Great news, tell people. It's good news, it's fantastic. Or a new job, fantastic. Tell people. It's brilliant news, you share it. Let's just imagine you discover the cure for coronavirus. You discover it. You've got to tell people, haven't you? It would be irresponsible to not share it. The panic stops. People can get back to a normal way of life. Lives saved. You've got to tell people. The good news of Jesus Christ is far better than the cure for coronavirus. It cures all death. And it gives eternal life. Salvation can only be found in him. Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And God has revealed it to us. We have it. The cure. Jesus Christ. How can we not share that? How can we keep quiet? Perhaps you know uh, Rico Tice. He's uh, an evangelist. He does Christianity Explored, Life Explored. Some of you have seen his videos. He tells the story of when he was training to be a vicar. He was in Oxford doing this. He was also a keen rugby player. Still is, though he's less of a player these days. And he was a member of the university rugby team. Part of the training to be a vicar is you have to preach some sermons. And... uh, this sermon he preached in one church was this good news. Jesus Christ has died to forgive us on the cross and he rose again. And we need to be saved by him and we need that salvation by trusting in Jesus. That simple gospel message. And the rugby captain, the captain of the team that Rico was part of, heard the recording of Rico's sermon. And he was angry. Angry with Rico. He wasn't angry with Rico for what he said in the sermon. He was angry with Rico because Rico hadn't told him before. Rico is not my friend. Rico has not told me that I need this message that he's told to all these people in this church. He is not my friend. He does not love me. He does not care about me. And Rico was ashamed. I tell that story. He's told it to other people. He, he won't mind you hearing that. Do we love people to tell them what they need to know? They will all die, as we will. Everyone needs to be saved. That salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And for those who've never heard, 
Well, could it be I asked that question, what about those who've never heard? Because actually, I'd rather keep quiet. God could perhaps speak through dreams. Or maybe God responds to them on that last day before, them, before him on what they know or not what they don't know. Maybe, but the Bible doesn't say any of those things. But what we do know clearly in black and white is that salvation is only through Jesus, so we need to speak. Paul later says in Romans 10, how can they be saved unless they hear and unless someone tells them? That is why the Christian church is the world over. You notice this? If you look at other world religions, they tend to be geographically located in particular places. You look at the Christian church, it is the world over. It is not particularly constrained by geography. It's got its expressions in different ways, in different cultures, the world over. Some countries stronger than others, yes, but it is a universal worldwide faith. It is for everyone. That is why Christians make great sacrifices to go to places, even at the risk of death. I know people in countries that are closed. If they're found out, they could be imprisoned. Maybe even worse, doing that today. Because the good news of Jesus is what everyone needs. Now that is hard. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do that. It's hard to speak. It is clear from Acts 4, this is going to be hard. We're, we're going to have an aggro. We're going to get pushback. So we need help, don't we? We need help. Life is already a struggle, particularly at the moment, without adding this hardship. But the good news of Jesus is the answer to all of life's issues. It's disappointments, it's difficulties. And if we're like Peter and John, even though we're perhaps unskilled, untrained, ordinary people, we can do it. Why? Because God gives the Holy Spirit. And if we pray, he will give us boldness. So what will we do tomorrow? What did you do at the weekend? What will you say? What will I say? Whether it's at work, or where it's where we study, or seeing family or friends or an appointment at the doctor's or down the bank or taking the bus or whatever we're doing tomorrow. Wherever we go, wherever we meet, there will be people who don't trust in Jesus. What do we need to think? We all desperately need Christ, desperately. No other way to be saved than him. And we need to think, who is going to tell them? Who is God going to send to tell them this good news they desperately need to hear? And the obvious answer is, it's you and me. Because we're there, aren't we? That's why we're here, to tell them. And that is scary, because they might not want to know. So we need to pray for boldness. Gentle, kind, compassionate, loving, winsome boldness. To not keep quiet, but to speak. The Saviour, Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you have given us the good news of Jesus Christ, that we know how we might be saved, how we need to be saved, that he died and rose again, and by trusting in him, we have eternal life that can never be taken from us by anything. Lord God, thank you for giving us that good news and please would you help us to have the right kind of boldness to share that with others. Maybe it's just a very simple little thing that we might be able to say. Maybe it's just inviting someone to something to discover Jesus or just asking them how they're feeling, what they're afraid of at this time. And maybe we can say something gently and kindly about our confidence in Christ. 
Lord God, we pray that you'd give us that boldness that only you can give by the Spirit. Help us to be people who don't keep quiet, but speak up. Amen. We're going to continue to pray, and Paul, thank you, Paul, is going to lead us. So as we continue our prayers, we bring our requests to God and reflect on the season of Lent, and we look again